Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. My name is Bryce. I'm the Connections Pastor here. I'm also in charge of our student ministry. Um, And just to let you know briefly about our student ministry, it's called OSM, Orange Crest Student Ministry. And we work with students from 7th grade to 12th grade. And our goal is to help support parents by coming alongside students to help them become mature adults who really take their faith seriously. This is also Memorial Day weekend. And on Memorial Day, we remember and we honor those who've lost their lives in service in the U.S. military. These are men and women who have paid the ultimate price to protect our freedoms. And so we appropriately honor them this weekend. Today also is a sad day for our nation, as this past week a tragic shooting took place in Texas that took the lives of many children and adults. It's really difficult to even fathom the impact that this has had on those families that were affected and the community as a whole. So to begin today, we're just going to pray for those who are affected by it. So let's pray. Um, God, we do just ask that you would be very near and very present with the families and the community that's been affected by this shooting. Lord, we are grateful that you are with us, that you comfort us in our affliction. And so, Lord, we just pray that your comforting presence will be with all those that are affected um, by the shooting from this past week. Um, Lord, would you help them to turn to you to find hope in you? Um, And would you just draw near and be with them, God? Uh, We pray that we, we please you this morning. Um, Would you be with me as I speak? In Jesus' name, amen. So when Pastor Josh asked me to speak this morning, he said, why don't you share what you think students need? What are the biggest needs right now for students? So what we're focusing on today is what I think is one of the most important things that students need. Now, this is not comprehensive. Students need much more than this. But I do think that this is a key thing um, that students need to help them develop into mature adults who have ownership of their faith and their walk with God. One event we did recently was a game night. Uh, We had some virtual reality headsets there, and it was a pretty fun experience. Our students had a lot of fun. We had fun. Um, So virtual reality, just to me, it feels like we are finally entering into the future. Um, So virtual reality is a headset that you can put on, and it immerses you into this video game environment. So physically, you're here in front of me, but what it looks like to you is that you're actually in the video game. It's pretty cool. So to kind of illustrate and show you what this really looks like, I'm going to I want to show you a video briefly um that shows you what VR is like. And just just a disclaimer, okay, this is actually advertising this piece of equipment for VR stuff and we did not have this at the OSM event. I wish we did, but just so you know, we didn't actually have this there, but uh but well, why don't you check out this video so you get to know a little bit more about what VR is like.
Okay, wasn't that awesome? Isn't that so cool? Uh, so what we're talking about today is life in VR. So what students need, and what I mean by that, is what students need is they need a vision for life that actually works in reality, in the here and now of life. Life with vision and reality. So life in VR. Because for students, our culture is changing rapidly. And students face some real problems. Right now, it's a challenging time to be a middle school, high school, or even a college student. In the middle of this kind of difficulty, they're presented with many different alternatives to what a vision for life looks like. And they're told that this works in reality. So let me give you one example of what I mean. Mr. Beast is a great representation of this. If you haven't heard of him, he's one of the most popular YouTubers right now around. When he posts a video, he gets millions and millions of views. His real name is Jimmy Donaldson. He's 24 years old, and he manages a very large team of people that work for him to produce his videos. So get this, he went viral. Um, this is this is real. This is a true story. So he went viral when he posted a video of himself counting to 100,000 out loud. Um, it took him like 40 hours, so you can, I mean, I watched it. It really did happen. Um, pretty crazy. So he's really known for doing some pretty outrageous things, um, like buying everything in a store, like a grocery store, and then giving it away to people. Um, and that kind of highlights one of the other things he's known for, which is his philanthropy. He's given away lots and lots of money. I mean, millions of dollars to people. He sponsors food banks. He's done all kinds of things to really help people. So the vision for life that Mr. Beast presents through his videos and through his YouTube channel are things like this. That determination and diligence lead to success. That's great. Live a full life by doing crazy things and do it with your friends. Be creative and entrepreneurial. Help people while you do it. Give away money to really help people and make a difference. And that's a pretty compelling vision for what life is about. Can you see how that lifestyle would appeal to students? Maybe it even appeals to you. Um, as I got to know more and learned more about Mr. Beast, I really grew to respect him. It, there's some pretty cool things that he's doing. Do some good, right? Be with your friends. It leaves this question for students, which is, is God that essential? In the middle of a difficult time in our culture, isn't this a way to live with purpose and fulfillment? Do I really need God for those things? Or let me put it a different way. Is this vision for life that Mr. Beast presents, is it really the path to life? And I think that that is a good question. And that's one of that all of us have to answer. Because if it's not Mr. Beast, then it's someone else. Whether it's another social media influencer, someone on the news, someone from movies, music, another personality icon, we are all susceptible to being drawn into another way of life that leaves God out of the picture. And that leads us to the second part of the question, which is, does it work? Does it actually work in reality? So let's talk about what the Bible has to say on this issue. And this message really has two main parts, okay? So the first part, we're going to look at an illustration where Jesus presents us with two choices for life that we can make. And then the second part, we're going to look in more detail about the vision for life that God presents us with. So you can follow along with us. We're going to be in Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14 for the beginning. So Matthew 7, 13 through 14 says this, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. 
and those who find it are few. So the first thing that this says is to enter. And that's the main point. You have to enter. You have to choose a way of life. Jesus is saying that while it looks like there are many options for entry points, there are actually only two options. And he's telling us which one it is that we need to enter. So one he describes as wide, and one is narrow. So the wide gate, that one is hard to miss. You can see it from a long way off. When you pass through, you're not going to uncomfortably rub against someone else's shoulders while you're walking through. There's plenty of room to get through. And this is the default entry point that people take to find life. If you don't take time to consider these things, then this is the one you're going to end up taking. You're going to take the wide gate because it's just easy to jump on. The wide gate is also described as popular. Everybody's doing it. People are doing it. This is just the general flow of culture. The pull of culture moves us all in this direction. The narrow gate, on the other hand, that one is hard to find. It can be easily missed. You may rub shoulders with someone as you go through. Maybe a little tricky to find, kind of like a trailhead. If you've ever hiked before, sometimes it can actually be difficult to find. Where does this trail actually begin? It's difficult to find. The narrow gate is also not as popular. There's only a few people on it. And when you're on the path with only a few people, then you can easily start to question, is this really the way? Is this really the way that I'm supposed to go and live? Next, there are two different paths. So the wide gate path with a lot of people on it is easy. So when it says easy, think comfortable, right? Think large and comfortable and broad, like a freeway in Southern California on a Sunday morning, right? Isn't that just great? Doesn't that just sound great to drive on? The other path, the narrow gate path, is described as hard. It's a lot more like an uphill climb, a trek up a mountain with switchbacks, steep elevation gains, uneven terrain. You'll get some blisters on it. It's going to be hot. That path is hard. So why would anyone choose to live their life the hard way with few people on it? Versus the easy way with many people on it, right? If Mr. Beast is one representative of this easy way where life is pursued apart from God, and by all appearances, look, it looks great. Why would Jesus tell us to enter by the narrow gate with the hard way? Why would anyone choose that way? And the reason is because there's actually two different ends. The wide, easy, popular path, the Bible explains it ends in destruction. And destruction um, is a real spiritual place that's painful, that's full of suffering. And the reason why this path is easy, just to help explain this a little bit more, is because on it, we or people justify getting our desires, sinful or not. It's comparatively easy to gratify our sinful desires rather than saying no to them. But what happens is, is that because God is real, these things end up enslaving us and causing us real pain, hardship, and destruction for us. That's why the easy path ends in destruction. On the other hand, the narrow way, that one ends in life. And that's the reason why it's worth it to take the hard path, because it ends in life. And life is really what we're all longing for and looking for. It's hard because it means denying ourselves, saying no to our sinful desires. But on the other side of it is life. And the focus of this illustration is that Jesus tells people to enter by the narrow gate. The appearance of your way can be deceiving. Don't mistake the look of the path for the destination. Enter by the narrow gate.
And that gate is Jesus himself. John 10 verses 9 through 10 says this, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. His invitation to enter is to trust in him as the only answer to our greatest need, which is our sin. As the forgiveness that all of us need for our sin. Only if you do that can you be set on the journey that will end in life. So what does that journey look like in detail? What elements go into Jesus' vision for life? So that includes, it includes three main things. His mission, his way to live, and a community. So first we're going to start with his mission. Matthew 28, 18-20 is the Great Commission. And it highlights this mission very clearly. The beginning part of it says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This is part of the heart of Jesus' mission. And here's what this means. The disciples, who are Jesus' closest followers, were now to carry on the mission that Jesus started. He did not leave them purposeless, but he gave them a very specific mission that they were supposed to follow. And that mission is radically others-oriented. The mission that Jesus has for his followers is laser-focused on other people. Jesus desires not that these people just be helped or loved or just be befriended, although those things are very helpful, but that they be invited to enter into the life-changing journey of following him. Money and kind service alone, though both can be helpful, can never fully help people because it does not address their greatest need, which is their enslavement to sin. Being a disciple, what that means is to become a follower of Jesus, someone who trusts in him as their savior from sin and identifies him as their leader and teacher and then commits to living life his way. Our mission then as a church is to help people who do not know the good news of what Jesus has done for them and invite them to commit to Jesus as Lord and savior of their life. So to understand how Jesus viewed this mission and the urgency with which it's to be accomplished, I want to highlight another passage. In Matthew 9, verses 35 through 38, it says this, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. When Jesus saw the crowds of people that he visited, he really saw them. And I want you to pause with me and think about this for a little bit. What's the last crowd that you saw? For me, it was Disneyland just a few months ago. I was there with my family and we really had such a great time. Um, And I can tell you how I viewed the crowds and how I saw the crowds that day. Um, That day I went on the Rise of the Resistance with my five-year-old son, Levi, and it was pretty incredible. I was pretty excited about it beforehand. I had watched, you know, video of what the ride was like beforehand. Um, And the crowd in front of me was about an hour's worth of people before the ride. And I would not say that compassion was the first thing that welled up in me towards them, Um, I had the expectation that we would wait ahead of time. I knew it was going to be a long wait, but basically all these people were just blocking my goal of getting on the ride. But what if Jesus joined me in that moment? What if he was standing in line with us and he looked out at that crowd of people? What would he see? 
Because Jesus, he would really see them. If he were with me, I can imagine him leaning over to me and saying, you know, there are a lot of people here in this line, in this crowd, that are on the easy way. Do you see that woman over there? She's being crushed under the weight of her anxiety. Her anxiety drives her to damage the people around her. Her kids, her spouse, her coworkers. Sometimes she can't sleep because of it. And that guy over there, he's just angry all the time. He's simmering. He feels bad after he explodes. But he doesn't realize truly just how bad it is. It's creating damage with his friends, with his kids. One day, he's going to break when he sees the impact of his anger. Or for others, maybe it's arrogance, greed, envy, bitterness, all of these things that are wreaking havoc in their lives. These people are harassed and helpless. Bryce, don't you see this? When Jesus saw people, when he saw them at their lowest and in their desperation, he did not view it as an obstacle to his own personal peace and happiness. Instead, he was moved with compassion for them as he saw them. He cared for them and their misery and difficulty. After this, he turns to his disciples and he says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus did not say that the harvest is the issue. He didn't say people are just hostile to Christianity here. They're just not receptive to the message that I have. No, he said this is not a harvest issue. We have a labor shortage. He said, will you get to work praying that God would send more and more people into the harvest? Jesus viewed his mission with urgency and need. The mission that God has given us can at times, it really can feel overwhelming. It can feel daunting and difficult. Many of you have sacrificed significantly for the sake of joining in this mission. And I commend you for your sacrifice and extending yourself for other people and for the mission. So as you grow weary, one thing that can re-motivate you to re-engage in the mission is to see the crowds of people the way that Jesus did. Really see them the way he did. So the vision for life that Jesus gives us is to join him on his mission. Just as he invites us to enter by the narrow gate, he wants us to invest in and invite others to enter by the narrow gate as well. So the first part of Jesus' vision for life is the mission. The second thing is that there's also a way, a way to live that he gives us. The way that Jesus presents to us, it's challenging and it's real. It's not mission at all costs, but there's actually a way in which The mission needs to be done. So the next part of the Great Commission, it explains this. In verse 19, it says this, Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. He wants people to know and do his commands. One way we try to obey Jesus' commands at OCC is through the heart attitudes. These are summary statements from scripture about how we obey Jesus' commands in our relationships. Um, So the heart attitudes, the first four heart attitudes are this. Heart attitude one is putting the goals and interests of others above my own. The second one, live an honest and open life before others. The third one, give and receive scriptural correction. The fourth one, clear up relationships. These are all summary statements of how to live Jesus' way. And Jesus' way is earlier, remember, it's described as hard, but it ends in life and it works in reality, this is Jesus' way. So let me take one of these to illustrate how this really works. Let's take clear up relationships. I would guess that you likely feel similarly to me. Um, but why is saying, 
I was wrong and I'm sorry, one of the most painfully difficult things that we can do. There's probably a long list of things that we'd rather endure than having to say that. And there's all kinds of reasons why saying that is hard. Maybe it's pride. I don't just want, I just don't want to admit that I'm wrong and give that person or them the satisfaction that they were right. Or it's fear of my reputation. By admitting I was wrong, what if people look at me differently? What if they look at me differently? What if they look down on me? Is it really worth it to do that? Or it's the fear of getting ripped off. What if they don't respond well? What if they don't forgive me? Am I going to get ripped off by doing this? Clearing up relationships is hard. It's the hard way. But isn't on the other side of admitting you're wrong, life? If you've done this, if you've really put this into practice, haven't you experienced the freedom of letting go of bitterness and pride? Haven't you experienced the healing and restoration that comes from this? And not every situation works out the way that we really hope it would. Relationships are just messy. But can you see the glimpses of the hope that's found in the hard way in which Jesus wants us to live? When we do the hard thing and we follow Jesus' way, we experience that taste of life that testifies that this is real. This really works in reality. And it fuels us to trust him even more. Our own experience with these things, putting them into practice, testifies to the fact that God's word is true and that they actually work in reality. And here's how we can get stuck, though. So we can separate Jesus' vision for life from reality when we confuse knowing and doing God's ways. Right after Jesus talks about entering by the narrow gate, he says this in Matthew seven twenty four through 27. He says this, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. What Jesus is pointing to us, he's saying, hey, this actually works. Don't deceive yourself by saying, look, Jesus' way, it doesn't really work in reality, hasn't worked for me, by only knowing Jesus' commands and not really doing Jesus' commands. The house that didn't last was because the builder only knew the commands. He didn't actually put them into practice. But the one that did last was from the builder who really did, who put these commands into practice. So Jesus' vision for life, it includes his mission, his way, and then it also includes his community. We are intended to do all of this together in community with one another. So John 13, 35, it says this, By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So what this verse says is that the community, the people who follow Jesus, the way in which they love each other, will impact their ability to accomplish the mission he has given So let me say that one more time because this is really important. The way that the community loves each other draws people in and helps us to accomplish our mission. The community doing Jesus' way, it makes Jesus look attractive. Or to put it another way, what do students need? That's the original question we were asking. What do they need? They need a vision for life that works in reality. And the truth is this. God alone gives us the vision for life that really works in reality. It addresses all of our deepest needs and really works. 
What students need, what all of us need, are flesh and blood examples of this. Of people who don't just know Jesus' commands, but do them. So what happens is they'll, they can say, and we can all say, and our students can say, look, I've seen this vision for life picture, this alternative way that leaves God out of the picture. I've seen it. It's attractive to me. I'm drawn to it in some ways. But I've actually experienced the community of people who follow Jesus' way. And I'm drawn to this way of life. I'm, I'm pulled towards it because I've experienced it firsthand. These things, mission, the way, the community, they capture the vision for life that Jesus has for us. And it really does work. We can easily let an alternative vision for life capture our hearts and pull us along to different kinds of pursuits. In fact, what can often happen is that when the way of Jesus gets too hard, then we start to rethink our vision for life. We lost faith that this really does end in life. And so then the temptation for us is to change our perspective about how life and reality works. We look at the easy way, that other path that's broad and wide and popular, and we think, maybe I should do that instead. When we do that, though, it's as if we put on a pair of virtual reality glasses, a headset, and we say, this is reality. This will end in life. But the call of Jesus remains the same. Enter by the narrow gate, for that is the path to life. So I want you to consider some next steps this morning. Here's a few different options of next steps that you can take. One is this. Take time seeing the crowds around you. If you've been engaged in Jesus' mission and you've just grown weary and tired from the sacrifice of doing that, then first of all, I just want to encourage you and thank you for how you've sacrificed. Thank you for how you've extended and encourage you to continue to do it. One way that really could help you is just to go through the crowds that you're around right now and take some time to really see them in detail. Maybe it's your coworkers, it's neighbors, it's recreational friends. Find out what their challenges are, what their hopes and dreams are, what they're motivated by, what their beliefs are. Find out what's harassing them. See them, and perhaps that may help you just be motivated to continue on in Jesus' mission. The second thing is this. Pray for a family with children this week. Understand that it's difficult to navigate the challenges of culture right now, as well as just to keep up with the pace of life. Imagine trying to raise, if, if you're, if you're, you know, your kids are already fully grown and raised, imagine trying to raise students um, and teenagers in this environment right now. It's very challenging. It's challenging to help them navigate what to do and how to respond. And so I invite you just to choose a family and pray for them. Pray for the parents to have wisdom and encouragement from God. Pray for their children to have a real, genuine, authentic faith. And the last one is this. Come back next week for our new message series. We're going to be ta- launching a new series um, where we're going to talk about some of um, some things that actually fit in really well with today's message. It's about the pursuits in life that we choose. And it's sometimes when we need to pause and we need to kind of reconsider and consider those well. So we, we encourage you to invite a friend and come back next week and join us then. So I'm going to pray to close our time. I hope this has been an encouragement to you. Uh, but let me pray to close. God, we are grateful for you. We are so grateful for the vision for life that you present us. We are so grateful that you um, have sent your son, Jesus, so that we can enter by the narrow gate, so that we really can walk on the path that leads to life. We're so grateful for your help. Lord, I pray um, just for everyone watching now, God, I pray that you would help them, encourage them to continue on in the hard way. Encourage them, Lord, that this really is worth it. 
help them see glimpses of the truth that this really does lead to life. Um, God, we love you and we're grateful for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at occathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.